Welcome to Elite Team Athletics Podcast. I got my guy Tevin in here. I'm your host, Kyle Coglatori, and we have the pleasure of having NBA trainer Reed O.C. with us today. How's it going, coach? Hey, good. Thanks for having me on, guys. How's the pandemic treating you right now? Man, it, it's unprecedented times. I think, you know, you could say that in just about any, just about every area, but from a basketball training standpoint, it's different, you know, having to move most or all my stuff online and then also just being a resource for coaches. I think the biggest thing is there's a lot of coaches that are forced to scramble that we're used to in-person stuff and maybe don't have a grasp on the, the technology side. So we're trying to trying to be a resource and help coaches that way uh, just stay connected and with their players and keep their players engaged. So it's, it's definitely been full of challenges. That's for sure. Well, you just came out with your app and you're killing it with your app. I mean, with the pandemic going on, everything like that, it's actually been probably a good time to get you to slow down and focus on this thing that you want to get out, right? Yeah, no, I and I've said it before. I, I feel terrible saying this because obviously I, I, I wish there wasn't the coronavirus pandemic. I know that there are a lot of people are hurting right now, but from the standpoint of being able to get my app out, you know, planning on getting the app out. And then it just so happened that everybody's stuck at home. Like from a business standpoint, you're like, Hey, we have an at home training app and let's have a global pandemic where everyone has to stay at home from a business standpoint. That's been, that's been good just because a lot of coaches are reaching out and they're like, Hey, we're, we're interested in what you're doing. Tell us a little bit more. Yeah. It couldn't be a better thing to fall into your lap. <laughs> yeah, no, totally. So tell us about the app, what the app does, how they can get the app. <laughs> Let's break it all down for everybody out there listening. Yeah. So the cool thing that I've been able to do is working with a lot of pro players, been able to partner up with those pro players. A lot of them from Minnesota that have a name here and say, Hey, listen, the same stuff that I've worked with you on for years, like let's be able to give those workouts, break them down in a sense so that that high school kids can do them, but let's be able to share those workouts. And so um, the workout is, is through the the platform of playbook. And so playbook is really cool. There's about 150 of the, of the top fitness professionals uh, in the world on this app, like the guy named Magnus who trains all the guys that, you know, celebrities that are in Marvel movies and things like that. Um, So you have access to the fitness stuff. You have access to my basketball stuff. It's basically like a one-stop shop. Um, and we're able to share these programs, Jared Bergeron doing a post footwork series. You know, I'm, I'm a six foot coach, but to be able to have a six foot 10 former professional player leading you through, Hey, this is the stuff that I did, uh, to be able to have a guy like Nate Walters, a second round draft pick gets drafted with Giannis. Who's one of the most efficient finishers in NCAA history. Hey, that's a pretty good guy to teach you how to finish around the rim, things like that. And then being able to get some of the best shooters in the world, Courtney Douglas, who was Courtney Boylan, 2008 Minnesota miss basketball is putting together kind of like a foundational program, some girls stuff. I mean, we're really making this app a one-stop shop. And then at the same time, you have access to all these other trainers for you know, get the first month for a dollar, cancel whenever you want. I mean, it's, it's an absolute steal, but it's been so cool to be able to connect with kids really all over the world through this. Yeah. Bucks a no brainer. No brainer. Yeah. That's insane. The the crazy part about all this too, is I would get hit up on Instagram or Twitter be like, Hey bro, can you train me? I said, yeah, where are you from? They're like Zimbabwe. I'm like, bro, I can't train you. You live in Zimbabwe, but I have a but I have a training app for you. And so that's like three, four years ago when this started, you know, started to figure out like, Hey, I have a lot of followers 
that are overseas. You know, you wake up in the middle, you wake up in the morning, you're like, oh, you had 600 people like all your stuff. You're like, well, who's up in the middle of the night? Like, well, no, it's 10 a.m. in France right now. And I have followers there. And so to be able to connect with those and make it more of a global brand is is something I never, never thought was would be possible. And the crazy thing, too, is the people you're using, you're probably putting their brand out there by using their name, using Courtney Douglas, who was Boylan, you know, or Jared Bergeron, you know, yeah. Walters, you're, you're putting them on as well. And all the other players you work with, um, you also have a podcast, the drawing board, where mm-hmm. you go in depth on the same kind of deal as the app. You know, you're always passing off knowledge. Where's that coming from? Well, you know, I got the, I, I, the idea of kind of having a coach's education platform. And so I started putting out stuff on social media called the film room and it's like hey let's take down let's take like video clips of some of the best players in the world and let's break this down and show you how universal this footwork is and so from a teaching standpoint so much of like we look at post and perimeter players like their footwork is universal we just oh that's a post player is at the block like when you really break down the footwork it's the same and so my goal was hey can we kind of change the narrative and can we help educate coaches using using that stuff. And so when I started putting that out, I was having coaches reach out to me like, Hey, this is really cool. We would love, you know, we listen to podcasts when we're watching film or when we're on the treadmill, like we would love to really start um, hearing what you have to say on some of this stuff. And so ultimately I've been slammed with the app as, as we're going, but it's been really cool to get coaches on there uh, to be able to get players and, and kind of get the background of of what it means to you know what it looks like to be a professional athlete um what everyone talks about the the good times let's talk about the the chaos like mike bruzowitz was on like absolutely crazy talking about the stuff that goes on overseas with a contract buyout or you you just get a chance to talk to people and get an inside view and then ultimately the title the the drawing board when you're a when i was a college coach whenever something wasn't working it was like hey guys we gotta we gotta scrap this we gotta go back to the drawing board ultimately tying everything back like hey what what drives you uh, when when it's time to adjust and and kind of recalibrate you know what do you do how do you go back to the drawing board what does that look like and and we've we've had some characters on so far it's been good oh yeah and bruce is a character i love bruce he's he's a funny dude and and we actually had him on the show his episode will be coming out here pretty soon probably and yes very funny dude he's got the stories he's a very good person to have on yeah, it it was so funny because he loves my wife. And so he'll see like like my wife in the Skyway downtown. Like, oh, she loved Mikey V. Mikey V saw me today. So when I was trying to tell her what's what he said on the podcast a little bit, she'd be like, Can you put that on there? I was like, Yeah, that's gold. Like I just want to get Mike on and have him start talking. <laughs> exactly. I, especially when he's talking about like the gangsters and stuff over there, the crazy things with all the other teams and Oh yeah. It, it's absolutely crazy. And the stuff you just, you know, there's certain people that always just tend to get in the middle of chaos and Mike Bruzowitz is one of those people. <laughs> Doesn't need to do anything wrong. It's just like, if you, you just follow Mike around and you could, you could write a book. <laughs> Whoa. Well, let, let's switch over a little bit too. Cause you're known for actually having the most exclusive runs in the state the best basketball players come to you to get runs in what how did you get this situation to happen you use i mean and you keep it all top secret 
I try to keep our runs. Tevin and me got runs too, and we try not to tell people where they're at because we know what it's like when you have people come and wreck your stuff. Um, how did this all come about? And you don't have to disclose where it's at. <laughs> no. Well, we put enough stuff on social media. I think it's people can figure out where we do it when we just kind of switch it around. So I would work with Anthony Tucker, and and they'd be talking about like, oh, we you know we want to get we want to get some runs going. So let's go to the U of M and like Jarvis Johnson would get everybody in up there and it'd be in the middle of the day. And then they shut that down. And it was such a hassle because I, I would hear the guys at the, as we're leaving workouts say, Hey man, like, do we have enough guys? You know, who's coming? Like there'd be certain guys that would just come with their crew and they'd have like four dudes that don't play. Like, yo, we have like NBA guys here and we got like dude that's five ten that, is 60 pounds overweight trying to hoop and thinks he's going to go one-on-one. Like, dude, you're not the point. Like you have Tyus Jones here. Like Tyus is the point guard, get rid of the basketball. And so these guys, it started, they, you know, it's just kind of like, Hey, what's going to happen. So I just said, like, do you guys want to play? And so it started last spring. Um, Brad Davison from Wisconsin was back and Cole Aldrich had just started working out. So he had a knee injury when he was in China. And he's like, hey, I want to start playing a little bit, do some two-on-two stuff. So I'm like, okay, we can do this. And so we started, I would work out Cole. And then I would tell like Brad and Ryan Brueggemann, who played overseas this year, I'd say, hey, can you guys show up? Like Cole and I are going to start at 10. Can you guys show up at 1045? And we'll play like, we'll get Daniel Oturu or someone else. We'll play two-on-two or three-on-three for 45 minutes and then I'll work you guys out. And so that's how it started. And then Cole was like, Hey, I want to, I want to start playing fives, but I don't want any jokers there. So I started putting together some runs and the next thing you knew, I know it was like, like talking with Tyus. It's like, okay, like now Tyus wants to show up and now Royce is here and now Rashad Vaughn is here. And now Jake Lehman from the Timberwolves is here. Like he moved into town on a Thursday and Friday he's in the gym. And the the thing that the reason I, I did it or the way that I went about it was, is I told guys, I want this to be respectable. And the fact that when I reach out to you and say, Hey, open run tomorrow at 10, you don't have to ask me who's coming. Yeah. And that's where, that's where it became successful. And which was funny one of the first runs, Mike showed up and he said, Hey, I think Marcus Williams is coming. Hey. Like, and I'm like, okay. And so it was, it was interesting because I'm like, cause I know Marcus can hoop and I love Marcus, but, but I had to set the tone with Mike and I'm like, Hey, listen, man, you're not running this. I don't care if Marcus comes, but you got to run it by me because you know, you go hoop and you got 16 guys. Like that's the worst number. If you're going to get 16, yep. you better get at least 20, 21, 22 and go two courts. And so I had to, like, I didn't want to, but I had to jump some guys early and be like, hey, listen. So then it got to the point where people were texting me like, hey, my, my buddy wants to come. Can he come? And I had a list of about 100 guys. And then I started mixing in some of the top high school players. Like, hey, we got Kerwin Walton, who just committed to North Carolina. Like, we need some shooters. Next thing you know, Cole Aldrich is like, yo, go to Kansas. And they're in the gym bantering back and forth. And the guys knew, like, hey, if if – Reed's doing a run like I didn't even get the best players a lot of the times I would map it out where I'm like okay I need if we're going one court I need at least three bigs mm-hmm. so I'd get like Cole you get like John Luer 
but I knew John didn't want to play the five. So I'm like, okay, let me get at least two fives. So I get like Reggie Lynch yep. and guys like that. So then John can play on the perimeter. Cause if you go to run and you get eight point guards, now John has to play the five. Like John's not a five. He doesn't want to play the five. And yep. so we, we structured it that way where it was like, Hey, this, you know, we have three ball dominant guys. Let's bring Kerwin Walton. Cause I know he's in a space of floor and he knows how to play and it's going to be good basketball. And it just kind of, yeah, kind of blew up. What's uh? So you're kind of talking essentially about your tell them how you know managing three. First of all, what? that's what are you about to bring up Mark Will. So tell them how you know Mark. Uh, oh no, I I wasn't. But oh uh, my bad, my bad. Was, <laughs> I went to NDSU with Marcus Williams, and uh, yeah, yeah, he was a year older than me, so I got to try and beat him in one on ones, which never never worked out in my favor. <laughs> he's say, so fast, say, man. He's too fast, and, and probably one of the smartest football players that I would have to go up against. Like I'd go out, we'd line up in a formation and then he'd just go down the line and tell everybody what route yeah. we're about to run. And I'm, it was like one of those things where it's like, well, what's the point of running this play? He knows what's going yeah. on. Mm-hmm. But anyway, um, you were talking about, you know, essentially assembling three teams and making sure that, you know, like this guy doesn't want to play the five. So we're going to put another big with him. Is it something that like, would you like to be a general manager someday in the NBA? Is there like a long or a bigger picture in mind as far as, you know, going from doing just open gym runs to ballooning into something else? That's, that's a great question. You know, I, I've always, I always thought I was going to be a college coach. So I was a college mm-hmm. coach for seven years. I always say, Hey, I'm going to be a college head coach. Um, and then I moved to New York city and started the training stuff. It kind of fell into my lap. And then I realized like, I don't like working for other people like straight up because, and, and I can say that because I have like, I, I just work my butt off. Like I just work. And so my mindset has always been like, well, if I can, like, I look like, I joke with people. I look like Zach Thomas, middle linebacker for the Miami Dolphins, 5'10", 230. Oh, except I'm a basketball player, like basketball train. Like I don't look the part, but my point is if I can do it, why can't you? And so like working for other people, I was like, I, it just drove me nuts. I'm like, why can't you work as hard as I work? Like I just didn't, cause I didn't think I was anything special. And so as the older I get, the more I like talk to these NBA guys, like, Hey, what do you like? Do all these GMs know what they're talking about? And they're all like, and I'm like, Hey, you know, I don't know what the future looks like. And, and like, honestly, I'm a small town kid. I'm from a town of 500 people. I grew up on a cattle farm, like Reed OCB, NBA general manager, like no way. But at the end of the day, next thing you know, like, getting connected with NBA teams. Like I, you know, all that kind of stuff got connected with Adam Harrington who's a assistant coach for the nets. Like next thing you know, we're going back and forth and he's texting me. It's like, you never know. I mean, right. I think that I, that would be fun. Right. Yeah. I was like, cause as you just, yeah, the way you're describing, you know, oh, bringing all these people is, is made me immediately think, oh yeah, he could general manager type conversation. And then the next question I had was, so you talked about kind of telling people like, okay, yeah, you can bring Mark will, but, you got to run people by me. Is there, is there a high profile person that you had to tell? No, you can't come hoop with us because either you don't gel with the people that are here or we're now we're like getting into the 1% of the 1% and you're not quite in the level of hooping that we want. That's a great question, Tev. <laughs> you got to get him no, in man. trouble. <laughs> you you know got what? a name on the front of your, on the tip of your tongue. I know it. You know, it, it's, I, the way that, I, okay, so we had a, this wasn't like an elite guy, but we have a funny story last from last summer. 
So I, I needed a big. You see how I'm kind of working around your question here. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so we needed a big. So we had a uh, we had a, a college a kid who was going to be a freshman going to a Division One school. He's like six ten, and uh, he was on Tyus's team. So he set up all screen, and Tyus gets in the middle of the paint, and patented Tyus Jones. It's about an eight foot runner. And the big, his teammate, jumps up and blocks the runner. Like, you heard that correctly. Like, a, like he forgot he was on offense and just ju- and I'm sitting like on the sideline with like Tuck, and Tyus runs by, and is looking at me like, and we're on the sideline. We're like, hold up. That that bro's on offense, forgot what he was doing. And of all the people in the gym, Tyus Jones, he just swatted his runner and he's on the same team. <laughs> so like after the workouts, I'd like I, I was trying to play it smart. I'd go up to Tyus or Jake Lehman. All those dudes, like I've been super fortunate, just have great guys in the gym. But I'm like, hey, you know, anybody here today that you don't want to come back? And and they're like, you know, you know that I think it, actually that big kid, he doesn't need to come back ever again. <laughs> and so uh, it, it, there was, there were some times like you get guys that get a little hot headed and mm-hmm. you know, what I, th- I found was super fascinating. And this, this goes into like who we selected to be there. Um, we, you'll play the, you'll play a game at the pro-am there's a jump ball and somebody's trying to fight somebody, whether it's the ref, like everyone loses their mind. We would go to Benilde or Minnetonka and we would play for an hour and a half and nobody fights. Everyone's like foul. And they're like, okay, check up. And these games are like even more competitive because we're playing by like ones and twos to seven. But I, I remember coaching at the pro-am and someone's like fighting. I stepped on the court. I'm like, you morons were in the gym for two hours the other day. No one said a word. We got four fans here who don't care. And you guys want to kill each other at the jump ball. Like you're playing on NBC. And so if, because the runs were so good that way, like there was a level of respect, like you got like Jordan mm-hmm. Taylor, of course, is going to start yapping at Aldrich and they're going to go. But outside of that, we had, they were so, such like clean, crisp, like they flowed. So if you had somebody that came in and wanted to disrupt that, everyone was like, yo, get this guy out of here. Yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. You know, I, the other one I saw too is, uh, you just posted the other day about Tuck running that snake with Chet Holmgren yeah. there too. Yeah. With Tyus, which is yes. crazy. You didn't even bring up Chet being in there. Who's one of the craziest mitts matches and probably going yeah. to be the NBA he's ever seen. Cause he's just, so unique. I've never seen a player like him before. He's like the next. He's a guard. Porzingis, except, yeah, a guard. He's, he's insane. So he came, and he was going to come to more, but so he had just gotten back from, like, crossing over Steph Curry. That's the yeah. under thing. Which and was viral. So, made him the biggest yeah. name ever. He went from unranked to second. He wasn't even, like, the top 500 to second in the class. Like, it's crazy. So um, this, like, this is actually crazy. So the the pro guys, like there's like a mutual respect, right? Like you're a young kid, you walk in the gym, like they don't care if you're Jalen Suggs, if you're Chet, if you're Paige Beckers, they're like, you're an 18 year old punk. Like we're going to respect you, but like you haven't proven anything. We're like the pros and Chet was on the court for about 10 minutes. He deflected 
like I think he got like a hand on one of Tyus's pull ups. Like he's got like a seven five wings. Like shot it and was like, oh, he's I didn't know he's that long. He caught a lob from David Hicks from half court. Um, he hit like a couple threes in some NBA guys' faces, and then pinned an NBA guy like at the top of the square and yelled, "Give me that shit!" And I'm like, <laughs> "You're 16. Watch your mouth." <laughs> but so my point is, these guys are like super, like oh, you know, whatever, like. Like you got to gain our respect and we're in the corner. And I think Tyus was standing in the corner and, so, and I think it was maybe Bruzowitz was like, is he the best prospect to come out of Minnesota in 10 years? And Tyus is sitting on the floor. And I'm like, you guys have no idea how incredible that statement was. Like, and the, the funny thing is he's Chet is absolutely fearless in the limited amount of time I've been around him. So they're talking about like how you defend Royce white and Chet's like, you just go at him. Like, Chet, you're 170 pounds. Royce is like 280 and will kill you. Yeah. And Chet's just like, dude, you have to attack him. Like that. And that's what I think makes great players great. Like Chet going at Steph Curry, like 99% of players would never make that play. Not because they're not skilled enough, but because they don't have the, the freaking Sam Cassell nuts to go do it. Yeah. Right. And, and Chet's just like, like the fact that he blocked a dude on the top of the square, like, Someone missed a shot. I think Cole Aldrich like blocked the shot off the backboard. Guy went baseline and it went right to Chet and Cole turned and didn't dunk on him, but Cole turned and Chet grabbed it. And like he's looking like uh Sean Bradley out there, like hanging on the rim with his feet on the ground, like shaking the like shaking the rim and he dunks it and it just runs to the other end. And everyone's like, Who is this kid? I think he could he could be really, really special. I agree. I agree. I mean, it, the crop from Minnesota is actually nuts. I have that conversation. We, I mean, we had a show not long ago with uh, Trev and Jordan and Tuck talking about the same thing. And we, you know, me being the protagonist, I'm just trying to get people to talk about it. So I'm saying, who, who is the mm-hmm. best guy to come out of Minnesota? You know what I mean? And yeah. I actually tried to get him to draw in Cole, but Cole immediately pulled his name off the Facebook comment. He didn't want anything to do with it. But I had a couple guys to argue back and forth, which is what I wanted. We got Troy yeah. Bell in there, every everybody talking, which was which yeah. was super awesome. But um, these new kids, I don't think they really know about them like that yet. Like Suggs, Dawson Garcia, no. Chet, those guys who I think are going to be amazing. Yeah, I, you know what's it's super interesting about the young kids is I'll go do high school workouts like with programs, and I remember being at Prior Lake Garcia's junior year. And we're doing it, and I have the whole team there, and there's banners around the gym, and there isn't a basketball banner in the Prior Lake gym since, like, 1974. And and I'm looking around. I grew up in a small town, so, like, I could name the entire roster from the 1999 team because I was, like, in third grade, and, like, they were, like, I thought they were all going to league. Like, they're playing 1A basketball. You guys can't even play D3 hoops. I thought they were going to league. And – to see, like, ask these Pryor Lake kids, like, hey, so who's the best player to play at Pryor Lake in the last 10 years? And they're, like, uh, like they don't know. So what's been, what's been interesting is, like, Anthony Tucker has told me this in the past. People walk up to him, like, are you Anthony Tucker? And he's like, yeah, what's up? And they're like, I saw you on Reed's Instagram. <laughs> and, <laughs> and Tuck's like, oh, because I have – and I don't, and not trying to toot my own horn, but some of these guys that like Tuck went away and no one's watched him play. So Jamar's done a great job of bringing the pro-am back and doing all those things. But 
like people in Minnesota, they didn't know who Anthony Tucker was anymore. Like Nate Wolters, legend in South Dakota. I go to Sioux Falls, they're like, who's Nate Wolters? I'm like, name the last time a guy was a second-round draft pick from South Dakota, bro, and no one knows who he is. So it's been kind of cool to, like, connect the cultures back together and say, hey, listen, we can have Kerwin Walton in here. We can have McKinley Wright in here, you know, a college guy, and then we can have the guy who's a two-year pro, and then you have Cole Aldrich who's just kicking it. I've made my money. If I get a deal, I get a deal. It is nuts. I mean, for me, you know, the basketball heads all know who, who the, the guys were and who, who was killing it and who really did stuff. I mean, Tuck, if you really talk to people who are real big basketball heads, they know Tuck oh. was a man, and he still is. Yeah. Yep. Um, I'm, I'm a big fan of all those guys and Jordan, Trevor, all of them. You can list off tons of talent from here. I've always thought that we're kind of a low-key hub, and I feel like it's starting to be found now. Yeah. And it, it, it's crazy because I feel like it's starting to get that that notoriety. And it probably you have a lot to do with it. I think Nick Carroll over at uh, Prep Network has a lot to do with it too, with him and his rankings and all that. But but putting people on the map, do you find pride in that? You know, it's been it's been really cool to you know I, I don't I don't I probably don't stop and think about it as much as I should because uh, I just like put my head down and go. Um, but to sometimes stop be like, we had a hundred million dollars of contracts in the gym today. And we were missing like six of the normal guys, you know, to stop and go, Hey, wait a minute. This guy needed something. And he came to me for life stuff, not basketball. Like, I think that's been the coolest part. Like if you would have ever, well, I'm watching high school basketball state tournament in 2007, I'm a high school senior to think like, Hey, you're going to work out Cole Aldrich and he's going to like send you Snapchats of his kid. Like I grew up in a town of 490 people, man. Like I never thought any of this was going to be possible. And so I never thought I would be a college basketball coach. And then I was a coach at four different schools. I never thought I would move to New York city and fly to work out Damari Carroll and go, Oh, Hey, wait a minute. Instagram's doing 15 second videos now. Hey, I should probably teach myself how to do that to, 120,000 followers on it's like I never thought any of this I just like I don't know so sometimes I just stop and I'm like well it's not that special because if I can do it anybody can do it and that's like honestly how I feel but at the same time I have to look back and be like all right this is like I got a couple buddies that are that are like you know this is like inspirational like definitely guys that when I was in the coaching ranks and I was the young guy and they were the mentor like there's, I still look at them as my, as my mentors. Um, but they're like, no, you inspire me. And to see that, that, that I think that's really cool. I think, yeah, like you said, you get lost in the hustle, but at the same time, I think you should stop and, and realize, you know, telling yourself that anybody can do it. Yes. If people put in the grind, but people aren't putting in the grind, like you're putting in the grind. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So you got to 95% of stuff is, is, well, I should say 85, 85% of stuff is showing up. And on top of that, you put in overtime. People aren't yeah. doing that. People are lazy. Mm -hmm. You got to take pride in knowing that you're, you're not lazy. You put in the time and you put in the work you deserve to reap those benefits. So I think that's something you definitely got to pat yourself on the back and give yourself roses while you're here to yeah. know that that's something you got to stay conscious of. Well, and I, and I, I realized that like, this is going to sound goofy. I don't watch sports ever. Really? I don't watch sports. 
I don't actually like watching basketball because I can't do it and enjoy it because I watch it and like my brain goes and I'm like, I was the guy when I coached AAU basketball, we'd be at like watching a Tuesday night game. There's two seconds to go at the end of the first quarter and Portland's got a sideline out of bounds. And I'm yelling at my roommates to pause it so I could see what Portland was going to run. I once pulled a barbecue stained napkin out of my back pocket for an end of game situation because we were at Grumpy's in Roseville on a Thursday for 25 cent wings. And I took a marker and was like writing the set play on a napkin. Like, and so I watch a ton of film. I'm always studying, but I don't like, unless I'm watching one of my guys that, and even then, sometimes I'm like, I'll just watch the synergy clips because I'm going to get too amped up as I'm watching it. I What I realized is that I'm a competitor. And so whether it's like Instagram, like I'm going to have the best stuff out there and I'm going to teach myself how to do it. Hey, this app, like for my app, this is crazy. Um, I, I'm making like dynamic pages on my website so that every single school has their own splash page. And I've made like 600 of them in the past week. And Jared Bergman on a Zoom call last night was like, what is wrong with you? Like, how? And I'm like, dude, I just sit here and I go to work. And so that's been the interesting piece through all of this is I'm driven by competition. Can I teach myself how to do something? Can I make myself a little bit better? And that's where basketball training comes in. I don't want to teach you to dribble between your legs. I want to teach you to be a little bit faster and more efficient as you do it. I use the, the analogy of a mechanic, like you can go change, change somebody's oil and, and do all that. But I want to be the NASCAR mechanic that takes the car from going 210 to 210.5. Like those are the things that I want to do. And that what, that's what drives me. And fortunately for me, it's worked. Well, I want to talk to you too about your transition because your transition is different from player to coach to now trainer. You had a knee injury in college, which then high helped school. you transit or yeah. high school that then had you transfer and your dad was a coach too. Yep. So, I mean, it's kind of in your blood. Can you talk us about or tell us about that? Yeah. So it's goofy. So I played, um, like I was just a, like a, just a gym rat, um, and started, um, started in Rossay, Minnesota, ended up going to Hillcrest Academy in Fergus Falls. Um, and when I got done there, I got recruited to play at some division three. I was actually more highly recruited to play football, uh, but nothing was like too serious. Cause we were a small town and we didn't like play AAU and do things like that. So like Northwestern's and Bethel and like the, the NAIs, the Jamestowns, um, Valley city, Mayville, those type Augsburg was in on us, but I, I started, like I got done my senior year and I did, I dinged up my knee a little bit um, at the beginning of my senior year for basketball and just kind of like fell out. Like, I'm just like, this is crazy because I don't love this anymore. And I got to school at Northwestern in the fall and I started playing with the guys and I was playing really probably like, I'm like, wait a minute, I didn't touch a ball all summer. I'm playing open gyms and like, I can compete with these guys because I'm smart, not because of my athleticism, but because I'm smart and I'm skilled. And yet I, I'd like get done playing and was like, I don't love it. And so I sat, it's a crazy story. I sat in my dorm room and I just felt like I wasn't supposed to play. And I was mad that I had lost my passion. Like I was pissed. 
and I said out loud, okay, God, you don't want me to play. I'm not going to play. Which sounds crazy that I'd sitting in a room verbalize that. Um, two hours later, my high school teammate, Nate Thompson, who had come down there and was playing on the team says, Hey, coach Groves wants to meet with you in the morning. And I'm like, Oh, this is perfect. Cause now I just decided I wasn't going to play and now I got to tell him. <laughs> and so I walk into his office. He's like, Hey man, um, I was just up at, at your alma mater recruiting, who was my best friend, uh, Cody Asas, who's a year younger than me. And your head high school coach said, there's a kid down there that needs to be a coach. He just doesn't know it yet. So we've never had a student assistant before, but we're wondering if you'd like to give it a shot. And I sat there like, what? And so I like walked back to the room. I called my dad and I was like, I'm a coach. He's like, what? And I'm like, yeah, like I have no idea what happened. And so I got, I just started coaching and spent two years there. And, and I was like, you got this guy willing to spend a hundred hours a week for free. And they just weren't giving me a ton of responsibility. And so I went over to Bethel university. They gave me my own office. I think we ended up breaking like a ton of NCAA rules that we didn't know at the time. Cause like, Oh, Reed was out recruiting. They're like, you can't send student assistants out recruiting. I was like, Oh, I was out four days a week for like three years. Um, and, and I just worked, got the top assistant job at Waldorf College in Iowa. After a year, got the second assistant at Minnesota State Moorhead, was in charge of like kind of the offense call and set plays. And I thrived in that. Like we had 75 set plays. I had like an offensive coordinator thing that I made, like it was color coded and people like I, and I could just, I could run everything and, and I loved it. Fast forward, my family moved, my, and my family lived like 40 minutes away from Moorhead, so it was perfect location. They moved to Ohio, um, and I was like, my wife, my fiance at the time, is working in reality TV in New York City on the production side with, like, Pawn Stars and Blood, Sweat, and Heels and a bunch of, like, cool shows. And I'm like, all right, listen, she ain't doing reality TV in Moorhead, Minnesota, I can tell you that. So I'm out, and I just I took a leap. And I went out there and there were, don't, don't get me wrong. There were times where I was like, Oh my gosh, like, I know I made the right decision for you, but from the job standpoint, I think I might've just screwed this up, but I just put my head down. And so you put in a situation like that where you got to make, you just like, Hey, I got to work. And, and I'm, and I made it work. Well, you ended up killing it out in NYC. You met DJ Sackman, right? Yeah. He's another big trainer. Yep. And you ended up, I mean, I don't even need to tell everything. Why don't you tell us the story? And I, I, I've done all kinds of research on you and all that, but we'd love to hear it. So this is crazy. So I start working at this place called uh, fundamental sports training. And I sent out a bunch of things. I was trying to find jobs and I was like up for a couple top assistant jobs. And like one of them was like with the military, like merchant, like with the Marines. And so like HR, I didn't make it through the guys. Like I wanted to hire you, but I, military, you don't make it through. There's nothing I can do. And so I started working at these gym at a gym in the meantime, just to like make ends meet. And so I started to really fall in love with the training stuff. And it's like a Sunday morning. Uh, my wife went to church. I'm like, Hey, I got to work. And a guy calls and says, Hey man, I got smacked last night. Like my head hurts. I'm spinning. Can you, can you cover for me? Like, yeah, sure. I don't really want to, but <clears throat> I could use the money. Excuse me. So I start work doing these AAU workouts and I realized like they don't need me. So we had this gym, then there was turf in the middle and then there was another gym in the back. So I go to the other court and I'm looking, I'm like, who's that guy running a camp over here? Like I've seen him before. 
they're like, that's DJ Sackman. I'm like, oh, I follow all his stuff on YouTube because I'm just getting into the industry. So DJ walks across the, the court. I'm like, hey, what's up, man? I was a college coach. I literally handed him a Minnesota State Moorhead Dragons business card because that's all I had. And he's like, listen, I just moved back from L.A., from North Jersey. Like, I, I'm going to run a camp here. Can you help me promote it? So I'm like, yeah, like this is my in because some dude was hung over. <clears throat> Next thing you know, um, I'm, I'm flying to um, Atlanta with DJ to work out Damari Carroll. He just signed a $60 million contract with Toronto. And it's crazy. I actually got fired from that gym. Why? I, I started working with I, I, nothing. I started working with DJ and it was like independent contractors. It was all 1099, but um, started working with DJ and there was like a non-compete for like 20 miles. Well, Long Island's 22 miles wide at the widest point. Like it's crazy, but they weren't, I didn't have enough hours. So DJ's like, you can go to Poughkeepsie. Dude, Poughkeepsie's two and a half hours away. I was driving two and a half hours one way to do two hours of training and then come back. And these people at this, at this gym thought DJ was trying to use me to infiltrate Long Island. So they fired me like two months before I got married, just moved into an apartment, all this stuff. And the best part about it, that, that company went out of business like six <laughs> months later. Cause they're like, you just fired your top trainer. <laughs> and everyone was like, you fired the nice guy from Minnesota. Like, what are you stupid? And they all left. So, um, I think someone else took the company over, but they had to, the owners had to get out of it. And that guy still, I see follows my stuff. I love it. It's like, Oh yeah, you saw that Instagram story. I, there's a part of me that just digs. I love that. But, uh, no, it's crazy. Got to work with DJ moved to New Jersey. Um, we started the hoop school and I just started flying back and forth to Minnesota to run camps. And you've been basically training like 2000 kids a year athletes a year give or yeah, take it's been nuts it's, it's insane nuts. you know how many do you think you've helped help reach from the high school to the college ranks level how many do you think you know you help train them to get to that point what's a ballpark number that's a good question and it's a hard question to answer because i think that there's so many people that play a role mm-hmm. i mean i think i would be really selfish and stupid to say like hey i did that um there's a handful of people that I know like, Hey, I really helped you take that jump. Um, like for example, like this is different. Like this is a, like people credit me for Anthony Tucker, like bro, Anthony Tucker spent thousands of hours with Chris Carr. Mm-hmm. Like Anthony Tucker spent thousands of hours with other people. Like he had all that stuff. I, I think I fine tuned a little bit. Like I'd post something. He'd be like, dude, I was in China. Remember when I sucked at this last summer and then I did it in a game without thinking I'm backpedaling thinking like, that's crazy. Cause I sucked at that all summer. Like, yeah, I might've added, helped him add a little bit that way. But like, if you're going to credit anybody for Anthony Tucker, you credit Chris Carr mm-hmm. and things like that. So I don't know, like, these coaches, there's different types of things. I'm kind of the mechanic, but what about the the guy that has a coach that doesn't necessarily know anything about basketball, but is the guy that motivates. And so now that guy, like Trevor Mbakwe, Trevor Mbakwe had somebody at a young age, help him develop and just say, Hey, that motor that you have, that is going to be the biggest piece of your basketball career. And that made Trevor a monster. Yeah. And so like I could do like some skill stuff with Trevor, but Trevor's Trevor because he will run through you. 
And that has nothing to do with skill. You know what I mean? So I don't know. Like there's, there's probably a handful of kids. I think where I actually help more kids out is when college coaches hit me up and say like, Hey, what do you think of this kid? And I'm like, he's an awesome kid works his butt off. You need to recruit him. I end up helping more kids just being like the point of reference, the contact of like a co- the top assistant at George Washington will call me and be like, what do you think about this kid? At the same time, if you're a jerk, <laughs> I'm going to be like, yo, that kid's a jerk. Mom and dad's crazy. Stay away. <laughs> a lot of, a lot of responsibility with that power. Yeah. And it's, it's just like the connection piece. Like I said, I, before I become the collector of information because I have no skin in the game. So if you're a jerk and a coach calls me and it's like, Hey, what do you think of Kyle? Like if you're a jerk and I know he's going to find out you're a jerk in two weeks, it just makes me look bad. Of, oh, he's a great kid. Right. Dude, why don't you tell me this kid? Right. Was you can't idiot. jeopardize your credibility. Yeah. You want to try and give the kid a shot. <laughs> And do you get more enjoyment out of maybe having that pro that comes in and you help him fix that one little thing in his game that he then translates to the court or maybe taking a kid that started out as maybe a D3 or not going to play college basketball and then kind of molding him into somebody that played uh, whether it was D3, D2 or a lower level college game? You know, I think it depends on the – that's a good question. I I really think that it depends on the player and their mindset. Because I'll be honest, like I work with a lot of players and they'll be like, oh, this is good, but they don't really see the value. They just Mm -hmm. like more so like this is organizational. Like you have two types of basketball trainers. You have people that work people out and then you have people that make people better. Right. Like from the specific stuff. So and you need both. Both are essential. Like you got to get like Anthony Tucker to be a great shooter needs a ton of reps. For me, I like and I'll do this like I've rebounded hundreds of thousands of Anthony Tucker shots. Like my shoulders are shot solely from Anthony Tucker um, making passes. It is nice when you just stand underneath the rim and catch pass, catch right. pass because he doesn't miss. Um, it's like one time I was like, we could do like a hip hop beat, like the sound of the ball hitting the hands to swishing through the, the like, it was good. like, we got a little beat going here. Um, but I don't know, like when you have a player that buys in, like I had a kid who's going to Duluth next year, had some division one stuff, but Charlie Katona is when he takes the next step in his game and his dad calls me and is like, Hey, I don't know a ton about basketball, but I asked Charlie like, Hey, why did you make that move? He's like, well, you know, Reed was telling me from if I do this and, and he starts using all this terminology and to me to be like, yes, you connected the dots. Um, I don't want to turn you into a robot. I want to turn you into a player that makes reads and you're now learning how to make the correct reads. Um, You also have players that will do exactly what I taught them to do. They'll score and you'd be like, what did you do? And they're like, I have no idea. They just did it. Right. But then to have a Mm -hmm. guy like Charlie, it'd be like, I know what I did. This is what I was taught. And here's why I made the read that I did. That's like Marcus Williams sitting there calling out, Hey, like, listen, I watched the buddy. This is what's coming. And so to to have a player, like when, when I'm using terminology to describe things instead of like, Hey, just do this and walk through it. Like I want terminology. So anytime you have a term, you have a definition. If you have a definition, you have an understanding. So when Tuck calls me and he's in China, he's like, yo, we got this dude on this other team. He has the most deadly punch drag ever. And I'm like, you just, you're using my terms back at me. Based on what you saw, I know that it's clicking and it makes sense. And that 
just lets me know that, hey, my the way in which I'm teaching is is connecting, at least with a lot of players. Oh, go ahead, and where did you get your where did you get your teaching style from as a coach? Like, is there who's somebody that maybe coached you when you were younger, or that you look up to the most to kind of take from what they're using and apply it to your own system? Yeah, so DJ Sackman, who I worked for in in New York, who I firmly believe is the best trainer um, on the planet, and I've been around a lot of really good guys. DJ does an unbelievable job. Um, and, and that's really kind of learned the, the terminology. Micah Lancaster is uh, with I'm Possible Training. He's he worked with Kyrie, works with Oladipo. Like Victor Oladipo literally went from being a throw-in in the PG trade to like that dude's an all-star. And oh, yeah. Micah, Lan- Micah Lancaster took a, took a freak athlete and said, we're going to make you really skilled and we're going to do that. And so those terms really come from, you know, Micah Lancaster his his curriculum and you start real stuff starts to make sense like oh that's a split okay yeah splitting your feet like oh this is a bound okay i'm bounding laterally or this is a lift or this is an inside foot lift right so this is a dig step like oh like next thing you know stuff starts to make sense and the terminology flows and so i was able i put a video out like a year and a half ago of charlie katona from shakopee (laughs) and tucker's really good at this too where i won't demonstrate I'm like, okay, Charlie, listen, we're going to have some fun with this. We're going to go a, a between the legs lift into a drop cross motion steps to a heavy foot into a one dribble skip inside outside finish. And he'll be like, okay, got it. And then he'll go do it. Now that's not necessarily game. Like each one of those movements in itself is game like, or has a game characteristic involved. Um, but for me to, to teach Charlie, hey, when, when you're going to get to this movement, the reason you're getting to it is because this is what the defense is giving you, right? So to take an, an NBA player like Nate Walters, and I started working with him and say, hey, Nate, like I'm not changing anything in your game. I'm showing you what you do, but I'm actually going to show you that you have two or three more options out of this that you didn't know. Like you get to this footwork and you do the same thing every time you maybe get to a second option. I'm going to show you options three and four. And then to see them in a game, do it. You're just like, yes, I didn't change your game. I just made you aware of something you already had. That's crazy. When you're rattling that off, you're on some John Gruden West coast play. When you're talking about it, how many kids, the young kids, are they just like, well, you know, it's, it's interesting because I'll have guys that I've worked with for five years and I'll be like, yeah, go drop cross. They're like, what? And I'm like, okay, you moron. Like this is the most basic thing. Drop. We're getting to our split stance from a drop. You can drive, you can cross, you can step in and shoot. So what do you think a drop cross is like, Oh, I got to my split stance. I'm going to cross over. Right. And you have different footwork in there, but I try to break things down and then go progressionary. So I can go drop, go drop to, to a speed stop or drop to a cross or drop to step in and pull. And so once you kind of understand like the foundational pieces, then you can start throwing things in. Hey, we're going to go drop to a punch drag. Well, you know what a punch drag is. So can you go drop cross to a punch drag? They're like, Oh yeah, I can get to it going that way. You know, I had, I had a a college guy that I'm working with and he had said like, you know, what's crazy is we like get to the same moves, but we never ever get to them like the same way twice. It's always like, 
how, you know, do you have this stop in your bag, but you don't have to have the same start. Like, can you start 20 different ways and still get to the same point? That's how the game is played. It's interesting to think about it like that. I can, I can say when I was playing, I never thought about it that, you know, it's kind of just a freestyle. Yeah. But I never took it too serious to begin with. I think it's the same with like, if you're a wide receiver and you have specific footwork to get to, you know, like say you're getting to a post and I don't know, I'm just like, you got seven steps, but what if you get jammed at the line and your footwork, you're, oh, you know, yeah. and now your steps are a little, do you have the ability to get to the same spot in, in one more step? So if you take one more step, now you have to plant and push differently to be able to like, can you still get to that spot? And that's where I go through this with these guys where it's like, Hey, now we got to it the easy way. Now I'm going to like, they're like, Oh, I don't know if I can get to it doing that. I'm like, well, guess what? If this, if you cross over and this dude bumps you, that's where you're at. So figure it out. And that's when they really start, things start to click. Oh yeah. No, that's, that's a, I, when I was at NDSU, we had a coach that it was, you know, you, you make a plan, you work the plan, but you got a plan for the unexpected. And it's like, yeah, yeah. you know, you want to get to, you know, spot a, whether it's on the court or the football field. and you could run a play a hundred times and each of those hundred times is going to look different of how you got to that spot based on what a defense is doing or, you know, whatever the situation may be. So yeah, yeah. It's, it's kind of instilling in kids like, yeah, you're, you know, you're going to finish with a layup, but how'd you get to that layup is going to got to be different or look, it's got to look like you're going to do, you know, you're doing the same thing every time, but you can break off and do something else. Oh, that's what, I mean, again, any sport, I use the the analogy. I said, what happens if you have a hundred mile an hour fastball and a 70 mile an hour changeup? Like you can make some people look stupid, but if every time you throw the fastball, you just grab the ball and throw it. When you throw the changeup, you dig into your glove for 30 seconds. Like uh, they kind of know what's coming. So you lose your effectiveness. Like, do we have the ability to change our speed, change our pace? And like Anthony Tucker is the best example of that, of anyone like, and that's, I started watching guys like Paul Pierce and Joe Johnson. I'd be like, yo, these guys, Paul Pierce is 52 years old. He can't move. And he scored 27 in an NBA game last night. How the heck did he do it? And that's Anthony Tucker. Like every player has rhythm, right? And Anthony Tucker has zero rhythm. He establishes his rhythm and then he takes it away. So you think he's going to go like one, two, three, four. And he goes one and then he goes on one and a half. And you're like, what the heck was that? And as a defender, you're, you're constantly guessing. He goes a half beat early, a half beat slow. And you're just like, he has the ability to get to wherever he wants, whenever he wants. Because let's be honest, Tuck would say the same. He would probably fight it, but he knows that he's not a phenomenal athlete. He's slow pace, like six. He's a big guard who's willing to be a little physical if he has to. And he's the, one of the most skilled players, if not the most skilled player I've ever worked with. What makes him great is that his timing is just like, he'll do something. You're like, Ugh. like, what was that? But you just got four feet of space and you just hit that thing in my eye. Let's <laughs> <Yo>, talk. <laughs> that man. I, I th- homo. He, he shoots better if you're hanging on him. I swear that we would joke when we'd work out in the mornings before the pro-am, I'd be like, Tuck, we have a rule tonight. Your first four shots have to be catch and shoot threes. We joke that Tucker's never made a basket that led to an assist from another, another player because he caught it and he just 
so we would do like catch and shoot shooting drills. And the first one you'd catch it and he would just dribble it once and shoot it just to be an idiot because they're like, dude, you, you just can't not put the ball on the floor off the catch. You just have to put it on the floor. He, he should be in the league right now. I tell him that all the time. You know, he, he's got one of the nicest jump shots I've ever seen. And of being stroke. able to play in space. Like, dude, you know, we've talked back and forth about, you know, and it, it becomes a money game. Like, you got to go get your money. But, like, the G League, can you imagine Anthony Tucker with that space? Like, well, the line moved back. Like, dude, he shoots it from 28 feet. Like, him in a pick and roll with space with a big that yeah. can run. Like, do you think about some of those G League bigs? Like, some of them are, like, they might not be able to, like, walk and chew gum, but if you throw it at the top of the square, they will catch it and maybe rip the rim off the basket. Can you imagine him playing with one of those dudes? Dude, I tell him that all the time. He, he would kill. He doesn't want like he's to. Co- I don't know why. I don't know why. I don't know why. We, we had him on the show saying the same thing, man. And he goes, I'm not going to be that old guy with all those rookies. Dude, like, yeah, you can't. The, I'm, I, get, I get where he's coming from because it's like, I don't care. He definitely has a stigma. And it's not yeah. like you're like you're going there to try and make it to the NBA. And then like when the Lakers had that guy that was 35, Andre Ingram, toyed, and they to, like just kind of parade him around like, oh, this old guy is still trying to get after it. No, go just go overseas, make your money. The NBA dream died. Yeah, no, Gosh, I, I shut I up. Feel, no, yeah. he he can do it. I believe <laughs> I, I believe in his game. I believe in his game a lot. I think Tuck should be in the league. He's got a stroke. He's got a stroke. He's a big guard. Um, yeah. Now, the, here's the question we got to ask him, and I'm not saying is he going to guard because Tuck <laughs> posted something on oh, Instagram. Tuck don't play a no defense. No, he, I'm just saying because he posted something on Instagram a couple years ago that was like, or maybe he just said to me, it was like, "Hey, listen, man, don't let me get in the way of you chasing your dreams, bro." Like as he was letting somebody like drive <laughs> right by him, like, "Listen, man." Good luck. I'm out here to get buckets. I'm getting paid. You want to go to the rim and dunk? That's on you, man. Right. Have at I'm it. I'm not going to stop you. I'm not going to stop you. Yeah. Oh, see ya. Oh, <laughs> hey, heads up. My guy's going to the rim. You might want to. He just turns and yells help before the ball crosses. Half no, no. He, uh, he gets after it, man. Actually, we played a playoff game in the Pro-Am a couple years ago. If, if he listens to this, he's going to be like, yo, why'd you do me dirty like this? I'm not. <laughs> um, he dove on a loose ball and like tipped it to Ryan Brueggemann for a layup. And Jordan Taylor um, acted like he was our head coach. He ran up and down the sidelines yelling that he was the black Popovich. And then he screamed. You could just picture Jordan saying that, like yelling at Kerry Sutherland, just going nuts. Right. I'm like, Jordan, you're getting Kerry worked up. You're doing an excellent job, but stay out of my way. Um, and he dove and Jordan was like, that's his first floor burn since fifth grade. <laughs> it was so, I was like, man, and Tuck comes off the floor. He's like, I'm literally never diving on the floor again. Not because I don't want to, but because Jordan's an idiot. That's too, that's too funny. If anybody's going to get under anybody's skin, it's going to be Jordan. It's going to be Jordan. Dude, I, Jordan. He's amazing at that. I've talked to Jared Bergen about this when they were at Wisconsin. Like, Jordan would argue something, and then the next day he'll be like, I'm trying to get under your skin. And then he'll argue the exact opposite. Oh, You're yeah. Like, hold up. Like, he, he's like, Jordan, Jordan is a staunch Democrat. And Jared's like, I have heard him argue for the Republican party hundreds of times, not because he believes it just because he knows it's going to piss you off and he can win. 
he'll get done and be like, I don't believe anything I said, but I won the argument. That, that's Jordan. That is, that is Jordan. Jordan. That is Jordan. Jordan I is actually, the ultimate troll. I oh. tell him when he responds to my tweets, I always respond with, oh, I, never, I have a rule that I never respond to overseas Jordan on Twitter because Jordan's bored and he's looking for a fight. So I'm like, Jordan, I don't even trust you to, tell, to argue what you believe. Oh my God. We, me and Jordan have had uh, one of, probably our biggest, like when I met him, it would have been years ago, probably almost 10 years ago now. Uh, he came back from like being overseas first year. It might've been Wisconsin. It was when Beasley was in the league and you know, yeah. how Beasley was just a beast at Kansas. Just, beast. Just, just killed it. And I remember coming in and, and he was with the wolves and I said, uh, dude, he could be a 20 point scorer for the wolves in all seriousness, especially at yeah. that time. Like he was fresh. He had just came back from or being done with the heat. And I was like, dude, he uh-huh. could easily do it. It, it. He was, you know, he had to be taking a step back because of who was on his team. But with the Wolves, we were not very good. He was going to get shots. I remember me and him arguing. I thought he was going to try to fight me over it. He was like, I bet my game check. Blah, 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 blah. And I was, I was like, I don't have money like that, Jordan. I can't bet you anything like that. We can do a friendly <laughs> handshake. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, he, he likes to. Anytime you can find something to stir the pot a little bit. Oh, I've yeah. literally sat in a workout and done this motion, like to stir the, like the stirring the pot motion at like, that's what he's doing. He's just over there. Like, Oh, like I, we did like a side jab into a shimmy and John Lure does that. And he'll be like, yo, you, you asked John, you could do this. You know, he's got the royalties to this, like in the middle of a workout, I'm like, Jordan, shut up and go to the back of the line. Like, <laughs> like a four year old. <laughs> I love him. Whenever he texts me, be like, "Yo," I'm like, "What do you want?" Like, don't butter. Like, literally, that's how I respond. What do you want? Yeah, like, what, what, why you gotta though. be? Why you gotta be like that? I'm like, cause I know that you're gonna just try to whatever you're gonna ask me for. You're gonna like try to butter me up and then be like, "All right, so can we get in the gym?" <laughs> just Jordan, just cut to the chase. What do you need? <laughs> Well, then on top of that, man, you do a lot of giving back. You were doing that, uh, that deal with the nonprofit with the NBA big man clinic uh-huh. that, that had a lot of support from, it was the NBA and WNBA, right. With players and coaches and, and yeah. providing training to inner city kids. Uh-huh. Can you elaborate on that? Yeah. So we did that, the NBA all-star game when it was in New York, um, I think it was like 2015, um, it was super cool. So actually be the match, which is in Minneapolis was, was partnered with us. And so the, you know, this was a long, you know, five, six years ago, but the, the main thing that we were working on was, was trying to not only provide um, basketball training for kids that were, you know, in some tougher situations, but also the idea that like blood and bone cancers, it said like 50% of, of blood and, and bone cancers came from, and I could be way off on this, but it was like came from um, minorities, but like 7% of the registry was of the bone marrow donors were minorities. So like if, if you're, if you're like, uh, if you're black, you most likely will need a black donor. If you're Asian, you most like, like that's just kind of how it works. And so if 50% of the, the people that needed donors in the registry were minorities, but the minority population, only 7% of the registry. So like, that was our whole thing was like, Hey, we're going to get kids in here. We're going to get them access to all of 
these NBA, former NBA players and coaches and trainers. And then because they're over 18 years old, we're going to have like a little thing at the end and say, Hey, listen, you don't have to do anything. Can you get swapped? So we just have you on the registry. So if in, you know, there's a chance that, Hey, you are a match for somebody down the road and can save their life. Like you don't have to make up your mind right now, but you have an awesome opportunity to help somebody down the road. And so we use the platform uh, to kind of go into the inner city and give those kids, like, so it was like one of the coolest weekends. Like I was met, got to meet so many people. And like, there were so many kids who were like, thank you so much. Like it was, it was like one of the coolest, coolest things I've ever been a part of. And at the end of the night, we had an after party. I walked upstairs and some guy was like, Hey, can I have your jacket? And I looked up and it was Robert Parrish. And I was like, what, what is, what is going on? <laughs> So yeah, yeah, it was super right cool. No, I just remember looking at him going, you look like you weigh 170 pounds and your shoulders look like you're four feet wide and you might not fit through a doorway. Like I've never seen a human being with more broad shoulders than Robert Parrish. Like, dude, he just literally, uh, it was like the, the two of us standing side by side. That's how broadish. And he just like looking at me, I'm like, what is going on? Like, how is this, how's this happening? It's goofy. It's crazy. Well, then, you know, the other thing, too, you do is uh, Karen's kids, right? That's in remembrance of your mom. Yep. Yep. I want to talk about that, too. So I'm, you know, still kind of in the process. We've done some you know, trying to get that started. I've had so many projects. But one of the things so like that my mom was super passionate about was like helping people. And just walking alongside of, of people. Um, and so one of the reasons why I'm back in Minnesota um, was in the summer of 2016. Um, got to actually spend a week with them in my family in Ohio. I ran a camp there, went back to New Jersey, and I actually went back to Ver or Pennsylvania. <clears throat> and we had like a family reunion type thing with my wife's family. So they're from New York. It's like, hey, this would be cool to get everybody together. And my mom didn't feel well. Um, went to the doctor and they were like, you have stage four pancreatic cancer. It's in your liver and all over your abdomen. And it was like, what? And 46 days later she was gone. And so, you know, that was kind of like my wife and I were starting to talk before that happened about like, Hey, my business in Minnesota is doing really well. This might be something that we look into. And so when she died, we were kind of like, we're, we're just like chasing this thing in, in New York. <clears throat> it was awesome. But we go to bed on a Sunday night. We sleep in the same bed and I wouldn't see her awake until Thursday night. I'd get home after she was asleep. I'd leave before she woke up. Like <clears throat> you just grind. And so I was like, I want to help kids. I'm the oldest of seven kids. I have four adopted siblings um, that are still in high school. Sela's actually supposed to graduate this year. I got Sela, Livy's a junior, Jeremiah's a freshman and Christopher's an eighth grader. And so to, to see like my mom's heart for them, it was, it was, crazy like we, like we live in a town of 490 people and people always joke like there were four minorities in that entire town and they're my siblings like my parents were always willing to do something that like wasn't maybe you know, we see it in the twin cities it's like not a big deal but like to have four african-american kids move into a household in like a farming community it was just like different and my parents were like no we feel called to do this one these are so my siblings, like I've never looked at them any differently. I remember saying one time, like, hey, did my brothers run out here? And this lady's looking at me. What do you look like? And I'm like, oh, about this tall with dreads. Like I never <laughs> even thought about the fact that he like looked like that she would not naturally think that that's my brother. And so my mom just like had a passion for kids, um, for single moms, for 
for moms that just like we're going through tough times, like, Hey, you can do this. And so I've just been super passionate about, about that. Um, you know, and I haven't done anything in an official capacity, but kind of a cool story. Um, last summer I went up to Faustin, Minnesota and I ran a camp, um, and Faustin's like small town, you know, 1200, 1500 people. And I had, I got little kids in the afternoon and this kid shows up like an hour early and this, and this little black kid walks in. And I'm like, hey, this is like, you know, this looks, he looks just like my brother Christopher at that age. And his mom walks in, who I think is his mom, this white, blonde, Norwegian lady. And I walk over and I start talking to her. She's like, that's Darian. That's my, and I said, oh, how long have you had him? She like looked at me and I like super, like ton of pride. Like, hey, these are my siblings. Like, I think this, I got a huge heart for adoption this is awesome. And so for some reason, of all the kids that I work with, this nine-year-old kid, Darian and Faustin, we stayed in touch. His dad, who I never met, adds me on Facebook. They come down here at the beginning of December and um, we go to B-dubs. They come over to our condo. We shoot hoops like Darian loves you. Talk to his dad. Three days after Christmas, I get a text at 421 in the morning from his mom that said, um, Dave had a heart attack and he died last night. Oh, no. And Darian had to call 911 at nine years old, had a heart attack in the bathroom. And, and um, we went to the funeral, went up, surprised them. They couldn't believe that we were there. And then I set up a thing um, with the coaches at North Dakota and surprised him, came up on a Friday, got to watch him play the, the coaching staff at North Dakota, like took him through the locker room. They had him on the court, like the players, like, it was like the coolest thing ever. And we left and I looked at my wife. I was like, that was our first Karen's kids thing. And it, that's how I want it to be. I don't want it to be some formal thing. Like Darian's my little brother. Like he's 10. Like I'm his algebra teacher now. Like his mom will be like, call me and be like, listen, I have no idea 20, the year 2020, how the heck they do math. So can you FaceTime him? And Darian's my little dude. And so what's been really cool is we haven't done like any formal, like big events but I've been plugged in that way because, hey, listen, dude, I can say, listen, I lost my mom. You lost your dad. Let's talk about it, dude. I got adopted siblings. I get what I don't get it, but I know that you're in the middle of the boonies mm-hmm. living here. And, you know, it, let's talk about it. Yeah. And so that's been that's been really cool. You know, that, that's super cool. Um, I, I had a similar situation to his. Um, my dad passed away when I was 11. I found my dad. I had to do all that. Um, I never had anybody like you to do that with though. So that, that's cool that you're able to give back because I think that would have definitely helped me. Um, yeah. And, and kids need that, you know, kids shout out all single mothers. They're doing the best mm-hmm. they can, but it is very hard to raise, you know, a, a, a child or a male without a, a man. You know, mm-hmm. I, I think that's definitely something kids need. And I think that would help them in the long run. Um, I think that kid's going to appreciate you forever for this. Cause you're doing something much more than you'll ever understand. I think. Yeah, I hope so. I really do. I really do. Um, Ted, do you have anything else you want to, to throw in there before we wrap up? Mm, no, nah, I think we covered it all. Reed, I appreciate you coming on, man. I, I can tell you have such a great heart and, and you care about so many people and you do so much great stuff. And it's so cool to see so many successes come your way. And I, I, I love watching what you're doing. I, I tell people this all the time. Appreciate I passed it. your message on to other people. Um, 
I just want, I love watching you succeed. Um, I hope you come back on the show again in the future. We love talking Definitely. with you, man. No, I, I appreciate yeah, you guys you. having me on. This is, this has been awesome. You guys got a cool thing going on. Dude.